Thank you, Tripp. Uh, good morning. Uh, it's a joy and a pleasure to be here uh, with you. Um, as we read in the Psalm 19, um, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Uh, when my father retired, or after my father retired, he put a sign on his uh, desk that said, work is a four-letter word. Now, I, I can sometimes identify with that sentiment, but the reality is, is that we all have work to do. Uh, we all have some kind of service to perform, whether it's in the home or outside the home, whether it's paid or unpaid, uh, whether we uh, work for someone else, set our own hours, or study in school. We all have something that the Lord has given us to do, some service to provide. And in fact, uh, my father turned out to be just as busy after he retired as he was before. So what is work anyway from a biblical perspective? On the one hand, uh, work is a, a blessing and a gift from the Lord. When uh, God put Adam in the Garden of Eden, uh, he put him there to work it and to keep it. God intended from the beginning for us to have useful labor to accomplish. Uh, when we read the fourth commandment uh, just a few minutes ago, uh, God says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, but he also says, six days you shall labor and do all your work. Now, we'll talk more about rest uh, next Sunday, but uh, the point is that God does intend for us to have some work to do, some service to provide. But the reality is, is that as we try and uh, do this work in a sinful and fallen world, it oftentimes um, it doesn't feel like a blessing or feel like a gift, especially uh, sometimes Monday morning or sometimes uh, Friday afternoon. Uh, when God cast Adam and Eve out of the garden after they sinned, uh, he, told, he told Adam, cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And sometimes uh, it does seem like the work that we're trying to accomplish uh, ends up as thorns and thistles. Our best efforts sometimes end up in frustration and sometimes our best intentions um, end up uh, being criticized. Uh, sometimes uh, work uh, doesn't feel like a blessing. Sometimes it feels like a curse. In uh, 1999, my wife uh, Kim and I um, went to a place called Kajabi Hospital in Kenya uh, where we served as medical missionaries for a total of about seven years with an organization called Africa Inland Mission. Now, my wife is trained as an obstetrician gynecologist, and she's now in private practice here in the Atlanta area. I was trained as an infectious disease doctor. I, I now work for the CDC, but when we, uh, when we arrived in Kenya in 1999, I was working as a, as a general practice doctor. Now, the patients we had there in the hospital uh, were divided into two large wards. I was responsible for one of them, and one of the other missionary doctors uh, was, uh, was watching over the patients in the, in the other ward. I would get in as, as early as I could and try and see the patients as quickly as I could to try and get them all, all seen before clinic started in the afternoon, and I'd oftentimes uh, work through lunch uh, just to get them all seen. Now, my, my missionary colleague, uh, on the other hand, would, would breeze in about mid-morning and, and uh, see his patients uh, about an hour, hour and a half, and then go home and read the newspaper. Well, for the rest of the morning, when the nurses had concerns about the patients, they'd call me because they couldn't get a hold of him. 
So I'd go over and see the patients and, and oftentimes the notes were so sparse that I couldn't figure out what was going on with the patient. I'd have to start from scratch and, and evaluate the patient. Now this went on for, for really quite some time and unfortunately uh, my missionary colleagues' uh, uh, care you know, became so neg negligent at some point that the medical staff actually had to, had to ban him from seeing patients at the hospital, which was a hard thing. Um, his heart, though, just really wasn't in it. Um, on the other hand, he spent a lot of time socializing with, uh, with his Kenyan colleagues and neighbors, and they, and they really loved him. And, and even though he wasn't seeing patients in the hospital anymore, they asked him to stay on and to go out to the remote villages and to see patients there, people who probably couldn't make it into the hospital. And so that's what he did. I had the chance to go in with him, uh, go out with him uh, on one of those village trips, and, and see patients with him. And, and many of those patients had, had problems that we couldn't adequately address in that setting. Uh, but, uh, but they loved the fact that we were there. In fact, the whole community loved the fact that we were there. On the other hand, I focused on the sickest patients in the hospital. And uh, I was determined that, um, that to save as, as many of them as I could, no matter how close to death they were when they came into the hospital. And we, we oftentimes lacked the diagnostic tools or the, or the treatment options that we needed uh, to take good care of those patients. But I, but I was determined at that time, convinced that if I was just thorough enough in my evaluation, if I uh, just was aggressive enough in my therapeutic approach, that we would, uh, we would prevail. Um, my intentions were good, but uh, in my zeal and eventually exhaustion, um, I wasn't always very attentive to the emotional or the spiritual needs of those around me. After we completed our four years, our first four years at Kajabi, the uh, mission leadership there in the field thanked me for my work, but they strongly suggested that I not come back. Now, in our, um, our book, uh, Practices of Love, in our chapter this week, um, Bennett... Uh, 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 talks about two types of, of, uh, of negligence or, or neglect. He talks about uh, neglect of our work and uh, neglect of our coworkers. Uh, now, my missionary colleague um, was, uh, was probably guilty of the first kind of neglect, and he would have done well to, uh, to remember the words of Colossians 3. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for man, because it is the Lord Christ that you're serving. I, on the other hand, uh, was guilty of the second type of, of neglect, neglecting my coworkers. And I would have done better to remember the words of Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, uh, labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Um, the, uh, the second type of uh, malformed working that Bennett talks about in Practices of Love um, uh, is, um, is uh, uh, unhealthy competition. And I, I guess I should pause there and say, complete my story. Um, we were able to go back to Kajabi Hospital for a second term. Uh, the Lord taught me a lot um, uh, during the time that we were away. Um, I learned to trust 
in the Lord's strength. I learned to depend on His grace and especially learned how to love my neighbors, my coworkers better. Uh, we did go back, and uh, our second time, uh, our second uh, uh, period of service at Kajabi Hospital was, what was much different than the first. We had a, a much better experience there. Um, the Lord multiplied our impact as, as I learned to trust my colleagues and to, uh, and to love them better, to care for their needs. And um, the Lord blessed our relationships with our fellow missionaries and with our Kenyan friends. And uh, it's been more than a decade since, uh, since we were back there, but uh, in some ways my heart is still there. Um, I want to talk about, um, about the second type of malformed service that Bennett uh, mentions in Practices of Love in our chapter this week, um, unhealthy competition. Uh, there's nothing more natural than to want to, to be acknowledged for the work that we do. And um, whether it's uh, paid or unpaid, um, uh, being acknowledged for the service that we provide. The problem with, uh, with focusing on, on, on being acknowledged, though, is that it's, it takes away from our focus on doing our work heartily and on serving other people. Uh, Father uh, Strickland, a uh, Jesuit priest from England, was quoted in 1863 as saying, a man may do an immense deal of good he does not care who gets the credit for it. And uh, similar uh, sentiments have been expressed by others over the years uh, because it really rings so true. And it also um, echoes Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who's in heaven. Now I'd like to take a moment to talk a little bit about what's meant by, by rewards or specifically rewards for service. Uh, Bennett, in our chapter from this week, uh, says there's no reward to be sought in service beyond the sheer pleasure of loving another human being and living in a way that witnesses to Jesus. Uh, but there are different types of rewards. Uh, some types of rewards are what I call reciprocal. You know, we do something good for someone else and they eventually return the favor. And there's nothing wrong with that per se, uh, but that's the type of reward that Jesus warns us against seeking. Uh, similarly, there's what I'd call collateral rewards, where we may do something good for someone, perhaps someone who's not in a position to return the favor, uh, but, um, but other people see it and either give us praise or, or bless us in some more tangible way. Um, and again, Jesus warns us against seeking after those types of rewards. There's a more general sense that, uh, that uh, when, there's a, when we have a pattern of, of serving others, of pouring out our lives for them, of doing good in the world, that, um, uh, that temporal blessings may come back to us, whether they're in the form of, this, uh, of, um, of the, the, the sheer pleasure of, of loving another human being or a sense of purpose and meaning or some other more tangible blessing from a from a life well lived. But there are some times when God calls us to do things um, that really are no pleasure at all. Uh, they uh, may be unseen by others or even misinterpreted by them and, uh, and involve self-sacrifice. Um, when I was a missionary doctor in, in Kenya, um, a patient was admitted in a coma. 
Um, I diagnosed him with a condition called tuberculosis meningitis, which is an infection surrounding the brain. It's, uh, it's oftentimes fatal or can leave a patient with permanent brain damage, but it's also potentially curable. So I started the patient on treatment right away and, and hoped for the best. Uh, after a few days, though, uh, the patient uh, hadn't died, but he hadn't woken up either. And um, uh, my Kenyan nurses uh, uh, kind of gently suggested that I consider sending the patient home with his family to, to let him die at home. I said, well, now let's, let's give him a little bit more time. But as days dragged into weeks and the patient remained in a coma, um, the family basically stopped visiting and the nurses gave up hope. Uh, we uh, were really not set up uh, there to take care of patients in a prolonged coma, and so the patient started to wither away from from lack of nutrition and, and then developed bed sores, and um, uh, it was a, really a bad situation. Um, quite honestly, when I had to go in and see that patient each morning, that was the, the low point of my day. Uh, the nurses really didn't want to go in with me, so usually I was in there with my comatose patient, kind of watching him fade away, not knowing if he was going to survive another night, and actually not even sure I was doing him any good at all. Um, there, was, uh, there was no sheer pleasure or, or witness to Jesus uh, about it at all. Um, my coworkers thought I was making a big mistake, and I, I wasn't sure I disagreed with them, but by that time there was no family around to send the patient home with. Um, I, uh, um, really going into that room every morning was, was more a sheer act of obedience uh, than anything else, and I had no assurance that it would end with anything other than my patient's eventual death. Uh, amazingly, after about two months, though, the patient started to wake up. And uh, in, a, in a few days, he, he regained consciousness. We were able to track down his family and, and send him home with them. Several months later, he came back to the hospital ward to visit just to thank the nurses for the care that he had given. And miraculously, he was strong and he was whole. Now, God sees in secret. He knows our hearts. He remembers our works of righteousness, obedience, and faith. His rewards may be unseen here on earth, but his rewards are real. They're eternal, and they wait for us in heaven. The last thing I'd like to say about work is... Um, uh, that though we play different roles um, at work or at home or wherever we are, um, we're still one person. We have a primary identity. Our core beliefs and values, our identity in Christ uh, needs to be the same. And one of the major tasks of our lives is integrating the labor that we have to do with the life of love in Christ to which we're called. Um, it's important that we be the same person at work as we are in worship. But that's not always easy. The rules at work and the rules at worship um, are oftentimes very, very different. One of my favorite examples or role models in this is the prophet Daniel from the Old Testament. Uh, Daniel had terrible bosses, like King Nebuchadnezzar, who was cruel and impetuous. 
and Darius the Mede, who might have been a little bit better, but he literally uh, threw Daniel into the lion's den. Uh, Daniel worked for the Babylonian Empire, which was an intrinsically unethical organization. If they had a corporate vision statement, it probably would have been carnage and conquest. Um, and and his, his co-workers were the worst. They were always uh, out to get him, and, and not just to, have, to get him fired. They were trying to get him killed. But uh, uh, Daniel was known as a, uh, a man of wisdom, courage, integrity, and humility. And the Lord revealed himself to Daniel in incredible ways that are uh, recorded for us in Scripture. Uh, now, integrity and humility were not highly valued uh, character traits, uh, either by the Babylonians or the Persians. Um, but Daniel distinguished himself above all the other high officials because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Now, I'm, I'm not sure I understand all the aspects of that excellent spirit that, uh, that the Persians and the Babylonians uh, saw in Daniel, uh, but I think it probably had something to do with uh, honoring the Lord and caring about other people. Now, um, our ultimate example of an excellent spirit is, of course, our Lord Jesus Christ. And he also had work to do. Uh, when, uh, when the Pharisees criticized him for healing someone on the Sabbath, uh, he said, my father is working until now, and I am working. Jesus came down from heaven not to do his own will, but to do the will of the Father. Uh, my food, he told his disciples, is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. Um, Jesus had work to do, but Jesus also loved deeply and intensely. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And Jesus brought together that work and that love throughout his earthly ministry, but most intensely and most poignantly in his death on the cross for our redemption. We sometimes refer to the crucifixion as Jesus' work on the cross, and it's work because Jesus was not a, a passive victim. Uh, he purposefully, intentionally, and willingly laid down his life uh, for us. He accomplished the Father's will, and he poured out his love for us in his one perfect sacrifice for our sins. His work and his love were one. And this, is, this is the mystery of the cross that we read about just a little while ago um, in, uh, in, in 1 Corinthians. Um, uh, foolishness to those who are perishing, uh, but to those uh, who are being saved, those of us who are being saved, the wisdom of God and the power of God. The work of Christ is central to our faith and also central uh, to our worship. When we, serve, when we uh, take communion, as we're going to in, in a few minutes, um, or as Anglicans like to say, uh, celebrate the Eucharist, we, uh, we remember Jesus' death, we celebrate his resurrection, and we await his coming again. Uh, the work of Christ uh, was for the sake of others, and as, um, as followers of Jesus Christ, uh, our work should be the same as well. Um, as Bennett points out in our chapter uh, from this week, uh, work, our work, our service, the service we provide is one of the most important ways 
that we, that we uh, interact with others and that we impact our communities. And may our work, like Christ's, be for the sake of others. Amen.